Let's make our way in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to finish the 7th chapter today, uh, verses uh, 17 through 40, uh, in a message that I have uh, entitled, Married or Single, uh, Serve the Lord. You know, uh, So I'm not sure what we got brewing up here. We just got to ignore it. Okay, I'll try. I'm like, these lights are just boom, bang, bang, boom. And uh, it's going to really bother me. But I, eventually, I assume I'll grow numb to it, and it'll just be like, there it is, you know, there it is. So pay no attention to the man behind the, wow, that's crazy. For your viewing pleasure, let's pray. Father God, we just pray that you would uh, bless the service this morning. We thank you for the blessing you've already placed upon the service, Father. And now uh, we just pray, God, that our hearts would just be open to the planting of the seed of your word and uh, that it would come forth and bring a fruit, as always, God, for the glory of your name. And so we just uh, avail ourselves to you, Lord. We place our focus upon you, Lord, and we pray, God, that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, beginning in chapter 7... Paul the Apostle is resolving issues revolving around what we might call Corinthian confusion. And what we have here in the seventh chapter are his answers. What we don't have are their questions. And uh, they had written him a letter with questions evidently revolving around married life, single life, and uh, sexual intimacy and spirituality. Questions like, you know, if sex is so closely identified with sin, should we just avoid it altogether? I mean, you know, am I purer or more holy if I abstain, you know, uh, altogether. And so Paul qualified it. If you're single, avoid it. If you're married, enjoy it. You know, if it's, if you're single, it's sin. If you're married, it's sanctified. In the book of Hebrews, we read it like this. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And you guys, we don't have time to revisit all the how-tos and why-fors, but Scripture makes God's position on such matters abundantly, unmistakably, unquestionably clear. You know, they had questions like, well, I, I just got saved, but my spouse didn't. And, you know, so should I leave him? Should I leave her? I mean, would I be able to serve God or, or be more pleasing to him uh, apart from them? And Paul says, no. If they're willing to stay with you, then stay with them. Uh, God's blessing will be upon them on your behalf. Otherwise, it wouldn't be there. And he says, you know, if, if, they, if they leave you, now uh, you can let them leave. But other than that, stay put. If there's children involved, you're going to provide a covering for them that, that wouldn't be there otherwise. And who knows, God might use you to lead them to him. But guys, the basic idea in play here is, am I more pleasing to God if I'm married or unmarried? And or within the context of either of those, what kind of lifestyle is more pleasing or most advantageous to serving the Lord? And so Paul addresses those kinds of questions, and we pick it up here in verse 17 of chapter 7 where we read, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. Guys, this is Paul's basic summary answer or overarching principle to all their above questions. If you're married, 
if you're single, live as you're called. Don't be engaging in the prerogatives of a marriage relationship if you're single, and don't be neglecting your marital responsibilities if you're married. Now that seems pretty simple, pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Now he says, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. Hey, if you're married, if you're single, if you're widowed, if you're divorced, God wants to work in your life right where you're at. And the application here, obviously, of living as you're called has a very broad stroke, but as it pertains to uh, marriage and singleness, the idea is don't wait until something changes in your walk with the Lord to be on fire for Jesus. Just serve Him with all your heart right now. You know, we touched last week on the greener grass kind of trap. You know, if I were only married, this is the, so often the single mindset. If I were only married, then I could really serve the Lord, man. Then I'd be on fire for Jesus. And, and then the, um, the, sometimes the married trap, it, you know, if I had mindset, if I were only single, man, nothing would hold me back. There would be no hesitation, no frustration, no reservations and all. Listen, Mr. or Mrs., if things were different different than I would. Listen, God was well able to get your attention when you were single. Or if you're single, he could have waited until you were married. Don't second guess your station in life. Don't focus on that whole if this then that carrot that's uh, you know dangling out in front of your nose just serve God and get fired up for Jesus right where you're at right where you're at right now you see now i should also say this this little practical piece of advice goes a long way in clearing up some confusion that is not uncommon when it comes to people finding themselves in these relationship knots, if you'll allow me that term. You know, it's not uncommon for someone to get married, and then they get divorced, and then they get remarried, and then they give their life to Christ, and then they have this kind of this uh, searing question in the back of their mind, you know, because I know that God now hates divorce, and I've gotten remarried, and I've given my life to Christ, so should I leave my spouse now and go back to my, uh, you know, first uh, spouse? Would that be more uh, pleasing, or is that what God would desire of me? And, you know, I think that Paul makes it abundantly clear right here. He says, serve God when and where he called you. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Don't try and undo the past. Don't leave your present spouse to go back to your previous spouse. Just serve God in the place you're at right now. The principle in effect here, family, is stay put in the place where God has called you and serve the Lord with all your heart. Okay? Now look at verse 18. He says, Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not become circumcised. Look at verse 19. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. And so he reiterates it again. Stay put and serve the Lord. Here he just kind of 
elaborates on it, right? He expands or he broadens the stroke of application. He says, look, if you were circumcised when you became a Christian, that's great. If you were uncircumcised when you became a Christian, that's great too. Either way, either one is completely irrelevant with regard to the covenant that you've been called to in Christ. Now, I should probably do just a little bit of uh, maybe explanation or at least referential you know, information here. If you're not familiar with the Old Testament sign, you know, uh, uh, the Old Covenant sign, if you will, uh, under the law, you, you might be confused as you read through your New Testament and you find reiterated again and again uh, this idea, this, this principle of circumcision. And you're like, what's up with that? Why is this always coming? up as I read my New Testament. Well, essentially, under the law, uh, the sign that you had entered into the Mosaic or even Abrahamic you know, covenant with God was circumcision. It was to represent a cutting away of or being separated from the life of the flesh. It signified a life set apart to God. Are you following me? But under the new covenant in Christ... Your identification as a believer and your consecration to God has absolutely nothing to do with the physical act of circumcision. The motions that you go through outwardly in reality mean absolutely, I mean, in very little to nothing, you see. What takes place inwardly, that is in the heart, means everything. And that's why he says here, and I drew your attention to it as we passed over it, circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. You know, to the Galatians he said it like this, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. But his point here. All that to say this really has nothing to do with circumcision at all. This is just his example. You know, he's saying that giving your life to Christ doesn't automatically call for a change in your current status. Just remain as you are and just serve the Lord. Guys, he could have just as easily said being married is nothing and being unmarried is nothing. Here's the main point. Here, listen, if you take nothing else home today from your time here, please grab hold of this and take it with you. He says, keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Or another way to understand that, to focus on my marital status or religious rituals, circumcision, uncircumcision, feast days, you know, the, things like this, he says, is to focus on peripheral or essentially irrelevant matters in the grand scheme of things. My primary focus should be on yielding obedience to the Word of God. You, you understand what I'm saying? In other words, just study the Scriptures because, look, I mean, can we agree that you can't obey what you don't read or don't know? So kind of embedded within that just, you know, keeping the commandments of God is what matters is like this uh, kind of essential need to know what the Word of God says. And so study God's Word, obey His Word, and you can trust that God will work out. He will address the peripheral issues as you grow in Him and follow after Him. If there's anything He wants to address, He's well able to. 
as you study his word and you're open to the power and the leading of his spirit in your life. Guys, Jewish, Gentile, doesn't matter. Married, unmarried, doesn't matter. You know, whatever state you find yourself in when you come to know Jesus, just stay there and serve him. Guys, it's crazy I mean, the, the, the things that people will try to alter in you or change about you once you give your life to Christ. You know, there you are. You're just, you're, you're just stoked. You're just on top of the world. You've give, you know, you're a new creation in Christ. Someone comes alongside you and says, well, you know, that's really neat that you gave your life to Jesus, but we, we really need to change your dress code here. Really going to need to have you, you know, start wearing a suit and tie. Or, oh, you know, that's really great that you gave your life to Christ, but your hair's a little long. Probably ought to get it cut, you know. Or, uh, you know, what, uh, you know hey, uh, you got to quit wearing that makeup. Or you got to wear the ankle-length dress. Or on and on ad infinitum, Right? Paul is simply saying, be who you are in Christ. Jewish, Gentile, married, unmarried, formal, informal. You just focus on obeying God's word. Okay? Now, look at verse 21. He says, were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. Now, if you can be made free... Rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. And likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. Underline this you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. Guys, are you sensing a pattern here? I mean, this is the third time that he said it. Let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. God did not call you to change your civil or social situation or even necessarily your cultural situation. He changed your spiritual situation. You know, we concern ourselves too often with the temporal or the social or the political God is focused on the eternal. Are you with me? It doesn't mean that he's not working or aware of or working out other things along the way. But his goal is to take you from being dead in sin to alive to him in Christ Jesus. Going from headed to hell to headed for heaven. Now beyond that... His primary purpose, and this may not make a lot of you, like this may not be something you want to hear, but God's primary purpose for you beyond salvation does not revolve around making us happy as much as we would like that. His plan is to make us holy, okay? To make us like Jesus. And so Paul branches out even farther. He says, were you called as a slave? Hey, don't worry about it. Just look to please God right where you're at. You know, in the Roman Empire, guys, there were millions upon millions upon millions, okay, of slaves. They might be teachers, they might be farmers, they may be uh, overseers in the house, or just practically anything, okay? But he says, 
Because you can kind of see this mindset develop, right? He says, don't think you can't please God. You're like, oh man, if I just, if I were only free, if I weren't under the yoke of this bondage, man, then I could really, he says, don't think you can't please God or serve God because you're a slave, you know, uh, but you can be a light right where you're at. He says, now if you can be made free, hey, if you can advance yourself, go for it. But don't begrudge your situation. Just serve God from the heart. Be a witness. Yes, right where you're at. Now, I have to admit that I feel a little bit like a broken record today. Um, if you, I mean, everybody here knows what a record is, right? I mean, date myself. Just, it's one of those thin little vinyl. Maybe I need to address this group over here. I know they've kind of come back a little bit, but they were these vinyl black kind of, uh, uh, you know, discs, and, uh, you know, they would record music on them and such. And there would be this little needle that would go down on an arm, and it would... And it would start to play the music. It was a quite a, an amazing kind of little machine. But every now and then the record would scratch. And then the needle was like, you know, what's a song? What's a good record? Come on, somebody. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody's willing to do it. Uh, I don't know. You guys you know that song, Another One Bites the Dust, right? There you go. That just popped in my mind. And so there it is, the record. And another one bites, and another one bites, and another one bites. And it just, it just keeps repeating itself. Right? And that's kind of, and I, I digress, but that's kind of how I feel today. I'm just repeating myself. But Paul is just hammering on this nail. And so we will as well. You know, perhaps for you and me, we should see it like this vocational circumstances are of little to no consequence. If God called you while you work in retail, that's cool, man. Be a Christian retailer. If he called you while a teacher, that's fantastic. Be a, a Christian teacher or a doctor or a tradesman. or you know, it, it, now He says, if you want to advance yourself, if you're able to advance yourself, then great. But just look for opportunity to serve God, to be a light, to show and share his love right where you're at because everybody everywhere needs Jesus in every context of life. You know, in Luke chapter 3, when the tax collectors were coming to the Lord and being baptized, believing on Jesus, they asked him, what should we do? Well, he didn't say, well, the first thing you need to do is get out of this line of work because everybody hates a tax collector. He didn't say that. He just said, hey, listen, uh, don't be honest with people and don't take more than what's right. You know, the the have a life of integrity. Be honest with people you see. Let your light shine. The soldiers came to him. What should we do? He didn't say, well, the first thing you need to do is get out of the military because God's a pacifist. He didn't say that because God's not a pacifist. He said, listen, don't intimidate people and, and just be content with your wages. You know? He was going to, you know, he called them while they were there, so he was going to use them where they were at. Does that make sense? Now, this may go without say, but I'm going to say it. Because as with anything, there are going to be exceptions, right? I mean, if God called you while you were a stripper, or a drug dealer, or maybe a member of the mafia... Can I just say that you probably ought to go ahead and navigate to a different line of work, okay? Uh, but you get the idea, yes? Your vocation becomes an arena of service 
to Jesus Christ. He's the one who purchased us with his own blood. And he's the one whom we serve. And that's why Paul says, don't become slaves of men. In other words, be it physically or spiritually, don't follow any man blindly. Be careful to honor the Lord. And if you want to write it down so you can research it a little more later, Romans chapter 6, okay, Romans chapter 6, you can just write it in the margin of your Bible out there, verses 16 through 23. Now, in uh, verse 25, he says, now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that uh, this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned, And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. So you kind of get the notion that Paul is now addressing another question, right? He says, okay, so we've talked about this, serve God where you're at, don't, you know, married, unmarried, slave, free, uh, Jewish, Gentile, none of that matters, just just serve the Lord. And then it's like, well, what if I'm not married? You know, and so they have this other question. He says, now, concerning virgins, okay, uh, those who aren't married, he says, I don't have a commandment from the Lord. Now, I want you to realize here, like we talked about this a little bit last week, Uh, He's not saying this is my opinion in the sense that it's not the inspired word of God, okay? He's saying that he's not aware of any direct teaching from Jesus on this subject, nor is it specifically laid out in the law, okay? Um, So he's going to lay out as the inspired apostle of the Lord. That's why he says, as one in whom his mercy he's made trustworthy, I'm going to go ahead and tackle this. I'm going to take this on as his inspired apostle. And so he says, I'm going to give you a principle that needs prayerful and careful consideration. But essentially, if you'll know with me, it's exactly the same. He says, if you're married, don't look for a loophole to get out of it. If you're single, don't panic seek a spouse. How many people, you know, you've known they're panic seeking a spouse, you know. Uh, He says, look, just be content as you've been called. But guys, again, before we get all convinced that Paul just didn't want people to be married, because it wasn't, that's not true. You know, read Ephesians chapter 5, you'll realize it just, that wasn't the case. But in this particular context, he gives a qualifying kind of factor in his advice. He says, did you note it there in in verse 26 or so? He says, because of the present distress. Okay? Now, what was this present distress? We can't say with certainty, but it would seem, and we know historically, that about this time, the political environment was ramping up, becoming more and more intense. Uh, Perhaps it was fairly obvious that persecution was headed down the pike for Christians, as, as history would bear out. 
So it could be that. It could have been a specific situation in Corinth that was causing a lot of upheaval in, in just their political or arena, whatever the case may be. But be that as it may, he says, look, if you're single, um, I would recommend staying that way. Uh, number one, why? Because you can serve the Lord without distraction. You, you know, you don't have to worry about responsibilities towards your family. But number two, he says, you know, uh, you may be able to withstand all kinds of torture, all kinds of persecution, whatever the case may be, and never renounce Christ. Doesn't matter what happens. But someone begins to torture your daughter or your son. Or they rape your wife, or you know, you know, and and, and and it can all come to an end. You see, all you got to do is just renounce your com- commitment and conviction and all uh, toward Jesus Christ, and this will all stop. Well, can I just say that that's a whole other level of struggle, you know, that you're going to be faced with, and so he says, you know, now may not be, I'm just throwing this out there, you see, he says, now may not be the best time to uh, look for a spouse. However, he says, it's not sin to get married. If you desire to, that's fine. Just be aware that we're headed for trouble. And, you know, I would spare you that. Okay? That's what he's saying here. Now, Simultaneously, he says, if you're married, are you joined to a wife? Don't seek to be loosed. You know, why? Same reason. Because of the present distress, in light of the present distress. In other words, don't leave your family in a time of persecution. Now they need you more than ever, you see. Now, I would also say this, you guys. I just want to highlight something here in verse 28. Okay, he says, uh, if you marry, you haven't sinned. If the virgin marries, she hasn't sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. Now, we drew the specific application out of what was happening, you know, in the situation there, perhaps. But a, a little bit broader application, I would say, you know, marriage consists. Okay, how many of you would bear witness? I want to see hands. How many of you would agree that marriage consists of two Imperfect people. <laughs> I thought so. That's an every head in the building kind of a thing. But the reason, so therefore, every marriage will have days of struggle and difficulty. Okay? I'm saying that to say this. Don't think that marital struggles are unique to your marriage. The enemy oftentimes tries to isolate us in this whole, no one else is going through it. Man, my marriage this, or we're struggling there. And no, you know, and uh, they always look so happy. And man, they're always posting on Facebook of all the gifts and all the love. And I don't see, you know, and it's like, and so we begin to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. And we don't know what's really going on. Listen, matrimony inevitably will bring challenges. And I think that it's something that you should think through before you say, I do. Paul says, look, there's going to be struggles in the flesh. I would spare you. know, Think it through before you say, I do. But if God has called you to be married, go for it. Enjoy it, you see. Now, in verse 29, he says, but this I say, brethren, the time is short so that from now on even those who have wives should be as though they had none. All the men are starting to underline verses in their Bible all of a sudden. <laughs> I, I, and, and, and those who, 
who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use this world as not misusing it. Why? For the form of this world is passing away. Here's the point. Don't get distracted. Stay focused on serving Jesus. Why? He tells us the time is short. Okay? And I don't want you to think in linear terms, but I want you to think within the scope of eternity. Okay, the last days, the Bible says definitively began at the first coming of Christ and they will end at his second coming. And guys, every day brings us closer to that day. Beyond that, let me say this time is short, not only prophetically, but for each of us personally. Okay. What is your life? This is a question that James asks, and I believe we do well to occasionally consider it, meditate, contemplate upon it. He said, what is your life? And a lot of people try to answer that philosophically over the years, but he goes on to share with us exactly what it is. He says, it's even a vapor that appears for just a little moment and then vanishes away. You know, I had a birthday last week. It's okay. No applause necessary. (laughs) Uh, I don't know why you would applaud anyway. Just something stupid I said. Um, But I had a birthday last week. You know, and and we, we have a tendency to measure time annually, don't we? Every year we think about this year and that year and the new year and this and that. You know, Moses in the Psalms, he, when he was, when he was uh, contemplating and thinking through time, he said, Lord, teach me to number my days that I might gain a heart of wisdom. What is your life? You know, what are you doing? What are you thinking? What will you do in the end? You know, here you are, you're going through and all, and, and you, there you are and you're boiling water. Maybe you're going to put corn in it, you're going to put pasta in it. I don't know what you're going to put in it, but it begins to steam. And that steam begins to waft up there and it just, it's just, you kind of see it for a second and then boom, it's gone. The Bible says in the scope of eternity, that's, that's our lives. It's just like that, you see. And so our focus should be fixated on the eternal Don't get distracted, Paul says, by family. Now, again, invariably, there will be some husband out there who reads this, says, honey, I'm going out with the boys, you know, uh, this weekend's a fishing trip. After all, the Bible says I should live like I don't have a wife, you know. Uh, So (laughs) to state the obvious, Paul was not recommending a detachment from responsibility towards your family. Uh, Having said that, Sometimes people do have mismanaged priorities. Well, I'd serve here, I'd be in ministry there, but you know, I'm focused on my family. That's kind of my, and they use this, my priority and all. But some people focus on their family to the neglect of kingdom uh, priorities. As to where Jesus would say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lead your family in what it means to serve the Lord, to be committed to his word, to sacrifice self. You know, family can be, I dare I say, a distraction. At sometimes, some cases, even an idol. Okay? And so we're to, he says, don't let your family uh, be a distraction from serving God wholeheartedly. That's, you know... And he says, those who weep 
as though they did not weep or they wept not. In other words, don't allow emotions or depression or some devastation or some tragedy to wreck your ability to serve the Lord. Again, you guys, the concept, the key concept is keeping an eye toward eternity, okay? And, but he says the same thing on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. In other words, be on guard against pursuing pleasure at the expense of your relationship and service to Christ. And those who use this world as not misusing it. What's that? Well, don't allow your business to become your God. Okay? Business, finance, Many a believer has fallen prey to placing money or the things of this world as a higher priority than serving the Lord. But the form of this world is passing away. You know, Jesus spoke of how the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Guys, I don't know about you. I suspect I do or you wouldn't be here. But I don't want my life or the work of God's word in my life to become unfruitful because I get distracted and I get caught up pursuing things that's just going to pass away with time when I could be laying up eternal riches and rewards in heaven and making an eternal impact in people's lives. You see, yes, we're in the world. But we're not to be of the world. Let's not get distracted on the temporary issues of this world. Too many people, guys, I'm just going to say it. They're rich toward themselves, but selfish and stingy in how they contribute, be it in time, be it their talents, be it their treasures, to the kingdom of God. But the form of this world is passing away. What will you do in the end, you see? And guys, it's not that God wants you to be miserable. Nothing could be farther from the truth. He wants you to be free. It's when we seek first the kingdom that all these other things, right? Matthew 6 and 33 are added unto us. So be about the work of eternity. Maintain your walk with the Lord personally. Serve him enthusiastically and you will be blessed abundantly. Now in verse 32 He says, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord and how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, you know, how he may please his wife. Uh, He says, uh, uh, there is a difference between a wife and a virgin in that the unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and spirit, but she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And he says, this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper that you may serve the Lord without distraction. So the first part, if you want to underline and kind of capsulize this whole little section, the first part of verse 32 and the last part of verse 35 gives you the bookends. I want you to be without care or concern. Why? That you may serve the Lord without distraction. You see that? Now again, he doesn't have his sights set on downplaying the beauty or the theology of marriage. But again, verse 26, because of the present distress, 
He's urging careful and prayerful consideration before entering into a marriage relationship. And guys, truth be told, such should always be the case. You should realize what you're getting into. And he's not saying that being mindful of how you can please your spouse is a bad thing. You know, we read that in the context of mindful of the things of the world, how they can please their spouse. No, it's a, it's a good thing. It's how it should be. He's not saying it's a bad thing. However, it's something that will keep you from being able to serve the Lord like you otherwise could be. You get that? That's all he's saying. He's saying, look, this is how it should be, but, you know, it could be like this if you weren't in that situation. That's all. That's why he's saying, just give it some consideration, some prayer. Think it through. Guys, we talked about this last week. There are pros and cons. There are pluses and minuses on either side of the fence as it pertains to marriage and singleness. And that's why we need to be convinced in our calling. And now if you're married, there's no reason to second guess it. You're there. Okay? But if you're single and you're thinking about it, he says, look, you need to be convinced of it and be content to serve the Lord to the best of your ability within the context of that calling, okay? He's not trying to put a leash on anyone. He's not trying to bind anyone in some weird way. He's just giving you and me some sanctified common sense to pray and think about before deciding one way or another, okay? So let's look here, verse 36. He says, But if any man thinks he's behaving improperly toward his virgin, if she is past the flower of her youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and has determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then, he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. Now, guys, I want to be real clear here. Don't think about an improper behavior in a moral sense, like a man behaving improperly toward another uh, young lady or something. The picture here is uh, of a dad and his daughter, okay? And in that day, dads arranged marriages for their children. And so he's saying, look, if you're feeling like It's inappropriate to keep her from marriage. You're behaving inappropriately toward her in this capacity. She's all, Daddy, Daddy, I want to get married, Dad. I want to get, he's so cute, Dad. He loves me, Dad. I want to get married, Dad. And and, and you can sense that she doesn't have the the gifting, the self-control for singleness. And you believe it's in, that you're trying to hold her back and you're getting this conviction like this is inappropriate. I need to, he says, that's, then go, go, you know, in other words, I've given you some advice to, to think through and to uh, consider, uh, but uh, listen, it's not sin to give her in marriage, okay? Now again, he's speaking into a context. There's tough times ahead. If she doesn't mind being single, he says, that may be best, But there was no need to impose celibacy upon them. If marriage seemed appropriate, he says, then give them in marriage. Okay? If keeping them single seemed appropriate, he says, that might be better given the present distress. Are you following me? Okay. So let's read these last couple of verses. And uh, I don't know where my closer is, but he's welcome to make his way down here. That's my cue to you, Joseph. Uh, He says... A wife is bound by law, unless he's serving in the children's ministry or something, then we'll just close. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Hey, Joe. 
He says, uh, a wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives, and if her husband dies, but if her husband dies, she's at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment. And I think I also have the Spirit of God. So, a final word of exhortation regarding the marriage relationship. He says, here's what you need to know. It's for life. Okay? Now, we've already discussed in our text last week about adultery and abandonment of the unbelieving spouse, if that case would be. Here he gives the third option. He says, if one spouse dies, then the other is free to remarry. He says, but there's one qualification, there's one stipulation, it must be in the Lord. Okay? In other words, if you really are wanting to serve God, you're wanting to honor God, this is the whole context that he's speaking unto, right? How do I best honor God? He says, well, if you want to honor God, then you need to marry another believer, okay? And, and he'll talk about unequally yoking and stuff in future texts. But he says, be open to God calling you into celibacy. If your spouse passes away or something, and you know, he says, be open that God may call you into celibacy so that you can serve him freely. But if you don't sense that, it's okay to marry another Christian. Guys, family, I'm not sure that today we could have said it or, you know, the Bible could have made it any more plain. Be convinced of your calling, you know, marriage or singleness. Be content where you're at currently and and safeguard yourself from distraction and dedicate yourself to serving Jesus wholeheartedly. Amen? Okay. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the ready reminder to maintain the eternal perspective. Ah, it's so easy to become distracted, be it by family or emotionally or the pursuit of pleasure or money or whatever the case may be, the things that you've drawn to our attention even today. I pray, God, that you would strengthen us that we might prioritize appropriately. Teach us what it means to... Seek first your kingdom and to serve you with all of our heart. And I would just say, guys, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, that I mean, this may go without say, but I just want to go ahead and say it. Before you can really serve the Lord, you you need to belong to the Lord. Uh, That's why Jesus came, that he might shed his blood on your behalf paying the penalty for your sin. And now, through faith in Him, you can receive the forgiveness of sin and everlasting life. It's a gift. It's a free gift. It's not about what you do. It's about what He's done for you and your ability to humbly just receive it and believe Him for it. And if God is knocking on the door of your heart today, listen, I'm encouraging you, doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done, I'm encouraging you, doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, I'm encouraging you, open the door. Doesn't matter who you came here with, who's sitting in front of you, behind you, around you, beside you, listen. God's speaking to you. That's why it's called a personal decision, a personal relationship with Jesus. And so if he's knocking on the door of your heart, and you're ready to open the door and let him in and surrender your life to him,
Can I pray for you? If you'd say, yeah, Jeff, man, that would be awesome. Would you pray for me? Then I'd be, I'd count it a privilege to do so. But I need to know who you are, okay? So just, uh, if God's speaking to you, then you can raise your hand. I see you, buddy, and I see you. And uh, if I see your hand, I'll say it. You can put your hand back down. But I just want to give you a second here to carefully consider this opportunity that God has set before you. Anyone else? Okay, okay. Lord, it's always wonderful to realize that you're moving in lives and stirring hearts. God, we want to be consecrated, set apart to you, serving you with all that we are. And so, God, I just pray that today such would be the the yield, if you will, the seed of your word that's been sown into the soil of our hearts. Further sanctification, further consecration, service unto you, on fire for you, not, not distracted by our current situation or state in life, but just looking for the opportunity to serve you fully right where we are, God. Amen.